What's going on, everyone? Thank you so much for joining us here at the Venue RX. We are continuing in our search for amazing guests, specifically for venues, because after all, we are the Venue RX, and we want to give you the best insight and the best uh, tips and the best education possible to enhance and increase your venue business. And so today with me, I have not one, but two guests on the show that I uh, met last year at Wedding MBA, but I actually was aware of them prior uh, to that on Clubhouse. And so I am so excited to jump into their story, to share their message with you and talk about some incredible resources that they have developed to make your venue uh, a lot more profitable and bring new clients into your business, which is always a good thing. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Renee and Mark to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, great. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. Well, I am so excited about jumping into these topics that we are going to be discussing today, but I want to kind of reel back a little bit and talk. Renee, you and I, I believe I first heard you like the first time that I ever heard your name, Renee Roberts, it was in association with a clubhouse room. And I think you were doing a collaboration and speaking about a couple of different topics. And, you know, clubhouse has been one of those interesting things we've talked about on the show before, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, it's an audio first platform um, that really got a launch, you know, in COVID really, Mm -hmm. you know, when, when people needed another way to connect and uh, it was audio only though, no video. And you both have seen tremendous success on that platform. Is that, is that correct? 100%. Absolutely. So Mark, you were sharing with me just before, um, you guys, are you still on the platform? Because I know we've covered it in past episodes. You know, are, are you still on uh, that platform? Are you still haven't seen success there? Yeah, we are. Now, you know, a lot of people checked out Clubhouse when it first started. The, we, we tend to hang out in the Wedding Pros Club within Clubhouse. And, you know, 16,000 members of this club. Now, a caveat to that is that there's not 16,000 people active in the club. I think a lot of people went to Clubhouse. Some of them found their home. Some of them didn't find their home and, and left the platform. And then they, they opened it up for Android at some point. We thought it was going to bring a big influx. It really didn't. But you know, I think it's now settled in to just a real people that are active on it, people are getting something out of it, people that are giving. But there's also there's so many people that don't know it exists. I, I you know, I, I talk to wedding pros all the time and they've never heard of Clubhouse. It's like, hey, what are you missing? I mean, there are some very, very good content, both in the wedding space. Now, the, the great thing about it is that you don't get couples there. So it's really wedding pros talking about them, talking about, um, you know, challenges, problems, ideas, how to market better. And it's great. You know, it's kind of good that the couples are not there because here we're all talking about how to sell more, how to upsell, how to make more money from your clients and all of that. And things that you don't necessarily want to say, you know, in front of the couple. So it is really purely wedding pros. And uh, it's been just a great experience. We have met so many people that we would never have met otherwise. And we we generate a lot of leads for our business there. That's incredible. And Renee, actually, I was going to ask you, um, do you, how do you 
manage your time on there. Cause that for me was one of the most challenging things. And for anyone who doesn't know what clubhouse is, I highly recommend you go check it out. Even just have the awareness of it. Uh, Mark, to your point, I definitely think some people loved it and stay there. And some people didn't love it and kind of lost the, the initial spark, but Renee, for you, how do you juggle participating in some of those forums? And then like everything, I mean, we talked to kids, there's, I mean, there's just so many yeah, things. Yeah. How do you handle that? I actually do have a strategy. Um, that's funny you say that. So um, we do go on there and we do teach and educate and we give it for free. And that's the main thing I want people to realize. You have free education on there. You have free access to people that by day, they are charging you know, hundreds of dollars an hour for their time and they are there answering questions. Like we do an ask me anything uh, time every other week usually. And you can find the times they, they bounce around so we can get people in different parts of the world, you know, have different time zones and around the country, but you have that access. And so I have that access for what I do as a digital marketer, I can go and I can go into rooms and talk to people that know more than me, which aren't we supposed to always make sure we're not the smartest person in the room. Right? So I go into rooms where people are a lot more smarter than me and I ask them questions. Questions. I have a notepad right here next to me where I keep questions throughout the day that I run into a wall. Like I have a question on Google My Business. So I wrote it down here. And um, so then I'll be in a room and somebody, um, a level eight guide I know is in one of the rooms on Google My Business. I'll ask them a question. Um, and a lot of times I'm listening on replay now. So if you haven't been to Clubhouse lately, there are replays with chat. So you can read notes in the chat, which are added value. You can go to the replay. So it's like a podcast. And that's essentially what Clubhouse is. It's a podcast that's live that you can jump into. How many times have you been listening to a podcast like yours? You know, Jonathan, I'm listening to yours. Oh, I'd like to add this because this would add value. I'd really, but you can't do it. But you can do that on Clubhouse. But my strategy, other than having a notepad of questions that I can ask at any time, is that I also save tasks that I can do with half my brain. Like maybe I'm doing some stuff in Canva, maybe I'm changing dates on something in Canva or I'm doing some half brain things. So I have a list of those things that I usually keep and in towards the evening. And then I'll do those when I'm listening to a live clubhouse. But really, I probably am only in listening mode during the day, two hours a week. And then the rest of the time, it's just like another podcast because I know the good ones. I've figured out where they are. And another strategy is find some people you like, find some people you respect, and then follow them around. See what rooms they're going into. And you can see below their profile what rooms they've talked on. So now you can get a real hint that you can see the replays, listen to what rooms they are, start following those rooms, and you can curate your own path. And that would be my strategy. Put some time into it and find where the good people are and, and hang out with and them. You and never know questions. who you're going to meet. I mean, Renee, Renee found herself at one point, one of her famous clubhouse stories, she found herself on stage with Gary Vaynerchuk and asked him a question. And, you know, this is somebody that you don't just get to go ask a question to. And, and go ahead, Renee, tell what what is the famous one? What did Gary V tell you? Okay, so I got to add this to my three lies and a truth game that you can play. You know, this is now people will never believe that this is a truth, but I can now say in that little game, Gary V told me he loved me. That's he did because I made him laugh. And so he said, he goes, oh, I love you. So um, there you go. 
I, I like that. So now I am going to be in on the secret. Now I'm going to know if I ever hear the game. This is perfect. Yep. <laughs> You'll know that that's a truth. <laughs> yes. Very cool. Well, now you've piqued my interest. I want to, I want to kind of recheck Clubhouse out because for me, it was, it was a struggle. It wasn't that I didn't find value in it, but I had a struggle kind of balancing all the other you know, things uh, that I do in my day. And so I think that's, that's pretty neat. And I'm very interested about some of the, um, the ways that they've changed the app, because I know the replays was something that people were talking about. And so really sounds like something that, that I want to check out. Um, but I want to pivot because we are talking today all about venue marketing, but from a very specific and unique angle. Um, and so before we get that, I know that kind of dropped that as a little bit of a teaser. Um, and, and you both have this, just such a cool, package and opportunity uh, and and training and knowledge and insight on on this topic. So I want to get into it. But before, could you share with me very, very briefly, um, and, and Mark, maybe you could kick this off. You know, how did you get to focus specifically on venues? You know, because you do marketing and of the marketing that you do, and maybe you can kind of even give us a little hint into what we're going to talk about today. But how did you get focused on on venues specifically of all of the subcategories of our industry? Okay, so you want my smart ass answer? Is that that's where the money is? <laughs> there you go. There you go. I like it. No, but but seriously, the um, uh, venues really drive the entire train for the wedding industry. It is the first stop for everyone. Even like you can choose a wedding date, but if you're set on a venue, like you kind of have to have the venue available. And so the, the choice of venue drives almost everything. You There's very little that you can do to plan your wedding until you have a place to do it. That and, you know, seriously about the money, it's like it is the highest ticket item in the cost of the wedding. It is very competitive. There's a lot of need for venues to market and market creatively. And the um, and, and that's really why you see whether it's the direction our agency is headed, or you see the, you know, the largest category of exhibitors in a wedding expo, the largest category on wedding wire or the not, or the, you know, the the Wedding magazines, the biggest section is venues because there's the greatest ROI and there is uh, the greatest need and the, the, the greatest potential ROI because of the high ticket. So that's where, you know, everyone in the industry kind of starts venue first. And, and that is just where uh, where we led ourselves. It's just where the demand is. For, for you, Renee, when you got started um, with working in marketing, for you, venues, was venues just something that was kind of the first thing for you, or did you come to it as a process of working with other types of businesses? It, came, it actually came as a process. Uh, we were working with mainly, it was mainly photographers and disc jockeys, and then I'm going to say probably caterers and venues in that exact order that were coming to us with problems. What they were saying to us is they said, usually they'd say, I need to book more leads. Mm. And that's usually how people come to us. And then what we find is that they have plenty of leads. They actually have holes in their marketing system. And um, that's actually a whole podcast. We call it that they don't have a sales funnel. They actually have a sales colander. And so yes. we we help them um, 
finding that. But for venues, it's there's so much competition, as Mark said, out there in the space. And unless you're paying for a featured listing on these wedding websites to stand out above the crowd, that's one thing that you can do. But here's the other problem that's happened on these wedding websites is that you've paid money to be featured. And we want to challenge every venue marketer or owner to go do the journey as a bride. And you need to see, you need to see what happens. You've paid money to be in front of them and you'll get an email and you'll get an email from them as the bride and they will not, that was generated from them clicking on your listing. And then that will say, oh, by the way, here's five other venues you may like. If they didn't click on your listing, they would have never gotten those other five. And you also find that they're going to say, oh, you may also like this on your listing, on the bottom of your listing you <laughs> paid for. It's it's really tough. So how do you stand out? That's the challenge that we set out to fix. Wow. Uh, well, and we could go in so many directions. It really <laughs> resonated with what you just said about the sales colander. I, I kid you not. I just like two days ago was talking with my wife and we were talking about a funnel versus a colander, a funnel with a very kind of pointed end where everything is streaming down to versus a colander where just like things are just dripping through wherever and it's disorganized if, chaos. If you go on to YouTube or probably just search plain on Google, put in um, sales colander and we will come up. We did a video on that. So I love we're, it. We're right there explaining that whole concept. I love it. I love it. So you work with venues, obviously you have a marketing company, you work with venues. Um, and it sounds like you work with quite a few venues, mostly East coast, but I know just before we were talking about the venues that you even help, uh, out here in California, West coast. And so you work with a lot of venues. What are some common pain points that you're seeing just across the market? And maybe even that sales colander was one of it, but maybe specifically marketing pain points that you're seeing regardless of the client that you deal with. You know, what Renee said earlier, the leads, I need more leads. That's what, you know, what every, almost every prospective client that comes to us, that is their biggest pain point. But that's really not, as we've got the sales calendar where you pour those leads into a bad journey a bad website, bad social, all of those things that we fix. So what we end up doing is fixing a whole lot of things to plug all of those holes. But the, um, you know, the, the common pain points, it's really, it's not that you need more leads. You really, and it's not that you, they think that more leads is going to lead to more tours, is going to lead to more sales. It's really more about putting you're creating awareness among your right fit client of getting, attracting the right leads. And that's where, you know, Renee had spoken about the, um, you know, the, the journey on the wedding planning websites where it's, I, I just did this test last week, sign up for a new account to test out uh, one of our, our catering clients had just upped his uh, participation there. So we went in and rewrote all of the copy and, added his photos and I wanted to see how it worked. And so signed up as a, a, as a user, went in, looked at his site, request, filled out the little form to request information. And literally the next morning I had emails. So here's a caterer who, and then insert whatever you want, insert venue in this. The 
this caterer has just spent several thousand dollars advertising there. He gets an inquiry from this website that he paid to be there. And in less than 24 hours, they were feeding me an email of, here's all the other caterers in this area. You should call them too. And and that that's that's tough to compete against. I mean, literally, it was the next morning that we had that. And then what happens? You click one button and your request goes out to all of these other ones. People complain all the time about being ghosted. You know, I, people fill out a form, I send them stuff and they never respond to me. Well, the reason why is that that's not a lead. That's not even, that's like a pre-lead because they, uh, they, they weren't really, they didn't look at your profile. They didn't look at your storefront. They don't know anything about you other than one picture and the wedding website saying, click here and get information from everybody. So they're not, they're not ghosting you necessarily because they don't like you. They're ghosting you because they just clicked one button and responded to a dozen, put inquiries with a dozen people. and. Companies that they didn't even know that they wanted. And, and that's what happens more than all. So, you know, people make a big deal about this, you know, the whole concept of ghosting. And it's really more that it's, it's, that wasn't a lead to begin with. Yeah. So you can't even be ghosted on it. R- Renee, I actually, I, I want you, I would love to hear kind of your perspective on, on what Mark just said, but specifically drilling into a, a scenario. And I'll tell you a, a scenario. Actually, I'm going to use a real world scenario. In fact, I might even clip this up and send this to the venue owner. Um, so we have a company that manages people's wedding venues. We get in and we do all of the heavy lifting, all of the hard work, the operations, the hiring, the managing of the teams, the, you know, literally everything we provide, basically a venue management in a box Thing where they sign the contract with us, the venue owner signs the contract with us, and then they get to sit back. Obviously, it costs them some money, but it's a completely mm-hmm. done for you system mm-hmm. from the hiring, the just labor, ops, marketing, everything all together. Now we're quickly learning that we want to split out marketing. So, you know, we're we're not, we won't be uh, you know, competitors in there on that level. But we, as we realize, as we're kind of going through this process, we've been doing it two years now, we will have to be part of it is educating the venue owner on expectations because all the venue owners think, Oh, I spent $2 million on this property. This is my second month, third month, fifth month. I should be just raining in the cash and it's, you know, I'm going to be rich and I'm going to go retire. And this is (laughs) what it's going to be. This is, you know, my, my amazing plan here. And then that doesn't happen. And whether it's, you know, whether we are involved or whether they have a sales manager or venue manager involved and they're looking or, or, you know, maybe it's just them and they're looking at the numbers going, what's going on here? This feels like a desert. I'm not getting the leads like you talked about, Mark. They aren't, maybe aren't really leads, but can you work me through that a little bit more? Do you, so it's not a lead thing because my venue owners and specifically I'm thinking of uh, one conversation I had, the idea is like, okay, we had... 15 tours last month and we had four bookings or five bookings. Well, if we increase it to 30 leads, or I'm sorry, 30 tours, then we're going to get 10. Like it's a simple numbers game. And so again, they start at the top of the funnel. They say we're getting X amount of leads. And so they drip it all down. So if someone comes along offering them more leads, they say, sure, take my money because they think that it's a simple progression. I'm hearing from Mark that's not correct. What's your take on it? My take on it is if 
Um, I can go get you. Um, let me look around my house. I can get you. I got to see who's in my house right now. I got, I got a bunch of kids. I can go get you a bunch of leads right now. Do you want these leads? Are these your qualified? Anybody that's in my house, are they a qualified lead for your venue? It all comes down to garbage in, garbage out. We have to get qualified leads for this whole thing to work. So where do we find the qualified leads? That's that's just the basis for, for anything. So I'm going to just simplify it down to that. And I'm sure Mark has something to add. We always tag team each other. But that's what I would do. I would have to, before I could really even give you a synopsis on where the problem is, is I know there's some people out there, like you said, saying, we're going to get you leads. We're going to get you tons of leads. And then when it doesn't work, the venue owner is upset because, and then the person getting you the leads is saying, but here's the leads. I did my job. There's a lot more to that. And we have to decide if we're going to go digging for a well, shouldn't we find out that there's water there, possibility of water first before we even start digging? That's kind of the first basis of where are we looking for these leads and what kind are they? Because we just did the scenario of the wedding wedding websites. They, They have leads all day long. And but are they yours? And did they do the due diligence of reading who you are? If you're a caterer at $150 a plate and they're sending you people that want a barbecue for 25 on paper plates, that was not a good lead. That didn't help that caterer at all. Mm. So there is something broken in that system, Mark. And there are, I mean, the competition is intense. And over the years, there's been a lot of consolidation within the wedding website. And, you know, now we're kind of, I mean, there are some, some alternate sites that, that actually we have done a good job for some of our clients. But, you know, the reality is, is that 80% of the market share is in the hands of Wedding Wire and the Knot. Mm-hmm. And so everyone is there. I, we were just running some numbers uh, last week, and there are over 25,000 venues on the knot nationwide. And the, um, it's just, it's, there's, and what can you do to stand out? The most thing you can do is buy the top listing, but it's still the picture in the box. And like, there's not a lot to, so that's the the biggest challenge is cutting through this clutter. Mm -hmm. You have every venues on Instagram, every venues on Facebook, every venue is on the knot and wedding wire. And every venue has a website. So a lot of them do the wedding shows. A lot of them, you know, some of them are still in the magazines. Like, what can you do to stand out and cut through all of that? Because at the end of the day, they're, everyone's just like, they're trying to like wave their flag to say like, you know, notice me, notice me. And it's a, it is a struggle. And the one thing that so many businesses they don't understand that process of like you can build this wonderful venue and it can be beautiful, but if no one knows about it, it might as well not exist. Well, and and it sounds like it sounds like not just no one, but the right people, right? Because that's mm-hmm, what you're saying: mm-hmm. garbage in, garbage out. That's a really incredible point. And the difference in the wedding industry, which makes it different than every other industry is that you don't have repeat customers. Like if you're a, you know, this is where the whole building your tribe of Instagram followers and Facebook, like that stuff's not as important in the wedding business as it is everything else. You're not building a coffee shop 
where you rely on people coming in two or three days a week and you build your regulars and you build your business over time and people keep coming back. Uh, with any kind of a wedding business, you have to create awareness. You are 100% recreating your audience base each and every year. And, and that is, that's the eternal challenge that you have to, you know, you build your business, you can't stop. Because if you were crazy busy in 2021 or 2022, that's no guarantee that 2023 is going to be just as busy. You have to always be looking for your next, your next customer. And that's, that's why this whole industry of the knots and wedding wires and wedding shows and everything, why that industry exists to the degree that it does. Because every week, people get engaged and move into the marketplace. People get married and move out of the marketplace. And it, it's a, so you're, you're shooting at a target that is always moving. You know, that's so funny that you said that because just this morning, um, you know, we use a variety of marketing channels, including Wedding Wire, The Knot, Here Comes the Guide, like some of these different, you know, websites and places um, where you can be listed and, you know, Yelp, Google, my bit, all the places, right? And here comes the guide sent us an email saying, hey, not to be a wet blanket. Literally, they use that phrase, <laughs> not to be a wet blanket, but are you prepared for the wave of excess business to slow down. So if anything, what you're talking about is going to increase in intensity as some of these postponements finally are fulfilled. And, you know, some people kind of get back to quasi normal, normal kind of flow and pace of things. And depending on where you are in the country, that, that process may have started months ago, right? So really it's having an understanding of what your system is going to be for generating those leads. And then kind of what's your toolkit? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. And so what happens all the time? I mean, this marketing thing done right is not easy. I mean, it's not that Renee and I are sitting here all day doing every bit of people's marketing. I mean, we have we have a team. We have SEO people, completely different area. We have people that do Google ads and Facebook ads. We have copywriters. We have website developers. Uh, we do have all of these people that it takes all of those things to really crush this and do it right. And so what happens usually is that, you know, venues, if anything, are the ones that can afford to or justify bringing on someone to handle their marketing. And the problem is if you, somebody to handle everything in your marketing, that person doesn't exist. That person does not exist. And they certainly do not exist at $20 an hour. And so or even $30 an hour. Uh, even <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. And, yeah. And so the, every, but they would love to, they love the business. They love doing weddings. They love owning the venue and running the venue and improving the venue and all of that. They don't really like that marketing part. Yeah. So they offload that to someone that is, doesn't have the same skin in the game. They don't know all of these things. They may do one thing well, but what about the other 99 segments of your marketing? And and it's wait, and then they say, "Oh, my, I'm, I've got my marketing done." Or worse yet, you trust your rep, 
at the magazines and the websites to do your marketing for you. And of course, they all want like, we'll spend all of your money with us and we'll do it. I don't want to bash yeah, these other not. platforms too much because a lot of people do very well with them. But the bottom line is that you can't, a marketing of your business is not something that you can just like do and be done with it. It is the most important driver of all of your success because if you don't have solid marketing, you don't get awareness. And then if you don't have awareness, you don't get leads and you don't get leads and you don't get sales. And ultimately you don't have a business. And it's just, it is such an important thing. It's the most important thing. I tell you what is way more important than whether your chairs are gold, silver, or white. It's so like, true. No, no one will be sitting in them if you don't have uh, if you if you don't have the marketing that that fills the calendar. So I want to move in the direction of this this show specifically today and kind of talk about our, our main event. But I want to give the listeners and the viewers on YouTube a bit of a teaser because the question I want to ask you at the end of this podcast is, in your opinion, executed well, what is an appropriate estimated timeline for a new venue? to anticipate being profitable Uh, and and not profitable from a a standpoint of, you know, they're becoming rich and retiring, whatever that means for people. But at what point in the life cycle, and of course we're talking on average because there's so many variables. So I understand what I'm asking, but when you look at the clients that you serve and we're going to cover this at the end, I'll ask this at the end. Is there a point where you say, hey, 12 months in or 16 months in, if you aren't getting a steady flow of clients and you're not booking at least six to eight weddings or some sort of range that you really, there may be a problem, you might need to consider that. So I know there's going to be market differences. I know there's going to be some things here. I know it's a tricky question, but give me your thoughts later on. Let's pivot now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let's pivot. Cause I'm not going to put you on the spot right this second, but I'm curious about this. And I know that there are people who want to know this too. They want to know this kind of litmus test from your perspective. I know it'll bring a lot of value to people. Um, but how have you chosen and, and how have you discovered a way to differentiate? Because there's all this stuff we've been talking about wedding magazines and Instagram, Facebook and all that. So what do you do that is different? How can people differentiate themselves? The, yeah, that that is a challenge because everybody's doing the same thing. We've talked about the, the we've talked about everybody's on wedding wire, everybody's on a night. You feel like you have to be there, but then all the other things, and it's still the same stuff. But it's the grind. It's the um, you know you exhibit at what the big wedding show down at the convention center. You blast out emails to you get your hands on lists of prospects, and you don't even know if they need a venue or not. And you 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 blast out emails. You write blog posts every week because somebody told you that's going to help your SEO. You do styled shoots. Okay. You do all this effort for a styled shoot when most of those things never, you know, they never go anywhere. They never get anything other than a few pretty pictures. And then, you know, you're on social media, you're on Facebook and Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, you're you're posting things out there all the time. And in, in those cases, more often than not, the people that are seeing all of that content are people who are either your previous customers or people who have long since chosen somebody else. And then, you know, then once you do all of this, whatever you decide to do in your marketing, then you just kind of 
you throw it out there and then you sit there and wait. You wait and hope. You hope that someone will see the stuff that you put out there and then they'll respond to you. And then you go back and forth with emails and phone calls and texts and whatnot. Some of them will ghost you. Some of them will book a tour. Some of them won't show up. All of that. And then you do all of that same thing over and over and over again. That's kind of, that's the old way. That is the way that everybody else is doing it. The only hope that you have of rising above all of that is to like do something that not everybody else is doing. And the bottom line is you really only need one thing. One thing is you need couples that are engaged that need a venue. So everything that Mark said is trying to make that happen. So that's what we consider the old way of marketing, doing all those things. And here's one thing that frustrates people when they're doing their own marketing is they see Instagram working for someone. They, so they rush over to Instagram because it worked for them. So it's going to work for me. Or they rush over and start blogging and they're not doing blogging the right way. Or they rush over to any of these things that people said and it just doesn't work for them. So they sit here and they go and they've even tried the wedding websites. And it's nothing's working and they're sitting here and they're frustrated. Well, there could be some things broken, which, you know, that has to be addressed, but sometimes it's just not going to work for them. So the new way of marketing is that you want to get people that just need a venue, right? So if we can get people that are interested in a venue, we can get them early in the planning process. And we can get them to reach out to you as a venue because your venue has something that they want. Then all of a sudden you have them and then you get to market to them from that moment forward. So Mark and I took our past lives and what we did, I'm going to, I'm going to push it over to Mark. I don't know which side he's on, but I'm going to push <laughs> it to Mark. So we found out what these venues had. And we said, okay, we're going to take our experience here. We're going to give the gift of knowledge to venues, teach them to do what we know to do better than almost anybody on this planet. And we're going to give them leads in their pocket before anybody else by Mark. Wait, well, yeah, and I'm going to, I'm going to say drum roll. Event marketing. Yeah, drum and roll. you're going to laugh when you say it like, wait a minute, everybody does you know, I, all the venues are doing open houses or wedding shows and doing these things at their venues. And you might have seen them. You might have seen some that have been successful. But, you know, stick with us because we're going to show you how this is such a magical thing. You may think, you know, doing an open house, it's like, yeah, we do that. We do all this other stuff. And, you know, once a year we do an open house and we get a bunch of people that come in and our vendors are happy and all of that. But no, you can turn this into a marketing machine for your business. And it, because it gives you what you want, like all of those other things that you're doing are there to create awareness, which then people reach out to you. And then you hope to get some of them to come in and take a tour and then hopefully book some. It's this process that we're going to explain makes that entire process easy event tour booking it's that simple and the um, the key is doing it right uh, but you're giving them when you do this sort of an event and you can attract the right people that's the the key yeah 
it is um it is really it it's you've got them right where you want them where everything else that you're doing is leading to this result this is the shortcut to that result so then just to get clarity because i know in the <clears throat> interchange i want to make sure so for anyone listening or watching online it is a venue show or some sort of event at your actual venue correct so yeah so it's going to be a wedding expo a mini version of what you see at the convention center some people call them open houses um whatever but the idea behind it is simple you reach out to your favorite wedding pros and you bring them into this event you are selling them that opportunity because the people that you're attracting, all of those other wedding pros that are further down the food chain, and by food chain, I just mean further down the list, the to-do list that a couple has, those people all want to reach those same engaged couples. Mm -hmm. And so they will pay you for the opportunity to be in this event. And so here's the magic. Their money that they pay you pays for the entire event, pays for all of the advertising for the event. And all of that advertising not only promotes the event, but it promotes your venue. And the whole thing is done with other people's money. I love it. I love it. That is so powerful. Okay, so you've encapsulated this whole system then into a... You have like a like a course, or I know I know you mentioned that you have uh, you know a, a package around this. How do you how do you get people to do this? Because I mean, in my mind, immediately there's a bunch of questions like who do you market to, and how do you? And let me like my mind yeah. is full of questions now. Well, well, let's back up a second. I know you and I have talked a lot. Have we explained that our background comes from being event producers, wedding show producers for both 27 years, both in the early 90s, we started doing it. We were wedding professionals also, and we made full-time careers out of producing shows. And we saw that people were enjoying the larger shows because they were done correctly, but they were failing at the smaller shows. And we were looking at how the, they would say, you know, I did this other show. It didn't work. So therefore, all wedding shows must be terrible. So our salespeople would be like, how do we get them to try our show when all these other shows are failing them? They, you know, they started at a smaller show, per se, which have merits, but they failed at it. And we're like, well, if we could teach all these smaller shows how to do it correctly. Then when it's time for them to do the bigger show, then we won't have a hard time selling to them. So. We realized that from a venue standpoint, venues are, like Mark said, the first on the food chain. You know, girls get a ring is actually first, then the dress sometimes is second. But if you don't have a place and a date, you're not really getting married. You just have jewelry is what I say. So you got to get the, so you got to get the venue and you got to get the date before any of the other wedding pros will talk to you. So that's one of the other reasons why venues are so coveted, loved, and betrothed or be beloved within their communities because they hold the key to the whole rest of everything. So what happens is if a venue says, I am putting on an event, I'm going to do it right because I learned how to do it right. I'm not going to fail at this. I'm going to figure out how to find 
girls and guys that are just engaged and getting married because I'm going to learn to do it the right way, then everybody that starts signing up and getting tickets, because I can tell you from experience, as soon as you put that date out there, people are signing up. They want to get their tickets. They want to go to this event. Well, guess what the venue now has in their hand? They now have leads that they could not get. They get to nurture them. They get to start selling to them right away. And they don't even have to wait for the event. So what we are creating here is we're teaching them how to have a 365, 24-7 lead machine done right so it's profitable and everything is paid for because these wedding pros in your community are trusting you to do it right, do it the right way, get them leads. And you know how it is. Any wedding pro, anybody in business will pay anything that's working. If it's working, do more of it. That's our marketing secret, by the way. We find out what's working and we do more of it. So if it's working and you can do more of it, then you can keep doing shows three, four times a year. We help you create the framework. We are teaching you the framework for all of that. We're teaching you how to budget. We're teaching you how to do what's needed, when it's needed, how it's needed, And it's not only a course that you go through by yourself, but we become your coaches throughout the whole process. We have meetings every other week. We're there um, accessible. And we literally are pulling back the curtain so venues can be profitable because they move the train down the track. And just to be clear, so you're not necessarily just holding an open house to market the venue, but you're creating a mini wedding show <clears throat> that's attracting couples who don't have a venue yet. Maybe they're you know just pre-engaged couples, really with the focus of providing value to the community as a whole, to the clients, to bring them in. And as a byproduct of that, you're getting exposure to a bunch of couples with no venue. Is that am I hearing that correctly? And there's so many other advantages, but that is the biggest one because any kind of a marketing effort you do is the, at the end of the day, the results are the metric that you use is, did we sell anything? And so, you know, one of the biggest challenges or one of the, uh, uh, one of the, the biggest mistakes that venues make when they put on these events is trusting their other vendors to invite their customers. So you figure like, I'm going to do this event and I'm going to sell, I'm going to bring in a DJ and I'm going to bring in a cake baker. I'm going to bring in a photographer and a videographer. And I'm going to have all these different wedding pros there. They all want to be there because they want to meet. And then we're going to tell all of them to go promote it to all of their clients. And then that's going to bring us our 50, 75, hundred couples to this event. Everything's fine. Well, guess what happened? You put on a big party. And you spent a lot of time and effort to put on a big party. And everybody that came to that event had their venue already. Because if you're talking to the DJ or you're talking to the photographer, you already have a date and a venue to do it in. Because it's kind of hard to shop for a DJ before you know where that DJ is going to go. And so the real key to the success, there's a few, but the biggest one is attracting people that still need a venue. If you're not doing that, you're throwing a big party, which, I mean, we like throwing parties. Yeah, um, we're in the events uh, industry, right? (laughs) But but it gets, um, you know, to really benefit financially from doing this. And again, the the goal here is if you've created this lead machine 
and you're generating leads year round as you're promoting these, you know, do two or three of these a year and you've got a series of them and you always have the next one coming up. So you're always promoting it and you're always getting people RSVPing for it. Again, as Renee said, those are leads. You don't need to wait for the event. You have that lead uh, in advance. And again, other people are paying for this whole thing. Yes, it takes a little bit of time and effort to put it on, but you can stop doing some of those other grinding marketing things that are taking up so much of your time. Mm-hmm. And, and so that is the, the, you're shifting some time from one thing to another, but this is, you're doing something that, that uh, not everybody else is doing. And, and even when you're, other people are doing it, you're doing it the right way. Well, it seems like it's more tactical also because, I mean, it's pretty easy to see. Let's say you got an email list of a bunch of these attendees, and then you can kind of look at that and say, okay, we had 500 people show up. And of these people, we were able to convert six or 12 or 20 or however many it happens to be, depending on the effectiveness of the marketing for the event. But now you're able to kind of immediately see versus unendingly posting blogs or, you know, whatever, hoping that someday someone who reads that, that will be the moment that they're like, aha, I should, you know, click. And that's assuming you have a call to action button in the, in the blog area, you know, you know, and there's this other bonus, which is, uh, is a little bit more, um, minutiae, but you have, so you're giving, multiple tours at the same time. You're doing, you know, back to back to back to back. You want your, when you do one of these, you want your best salespeople to be there to do multiple tours, but you also create this sense of urgency because when you're giving a tour and you've got five other people lined up to get the same tour or on the same tour, people start to, well, wow, look at all of these people that are interested in this venue. If we like it, we better sign up now. So it is not unusual to be getting people that feel that sense of urgency and then sign up right there on the spot. I have a question about this. Let's talk right now to the venue owner who owns kind of a unique piece of property, gorgeous, but maybe a bit off the beaten path. You know, they don't, they're not in an area where a lot of people naturally go to. Uh, I'm specifically thinking of a venue in our market that we manage that is in Ramona and it's kind of off the beaten path. I mean, there's not a lot of reasons that you'd go up there unless you already knew about it or somehow had exposure to it, family from there, whatever. But across the country, you've got these remote venues that maybe take 30 minutes or 45 minutes to get to. And it's absolutely stunning once you get there, but it's not necessarily right off the interstate or the, the, the freeway, right? And so does this still work? for someone who's in a remote location? And does this process still work or does location really matter when trying to execute events like this? This is not location-based at all. This is 100% the type of marketing that is needed for something like that Hmm. because you have to have a reason for them to get there. But this does come down to the marketing content. So when we would be working with a client with something like this, we would want to make sure that we're teaching and equipping them with the right verbiage and everything to be able to attract the person there. Because when people come to do, when they do any type of, um, when anybody does anything, (laughs) when we come to a bridal show, we are giving not just the, 
maybe if you're charging tickets, you can charge for tickets or not. It's your choice. That's another way to have some more revenue coming in. But when somebody pays $10 to go to a wedding event, that's not their most expensive commodity. They're paying when they come to an event, they're paying with their time. That somebody has to get dressed, they have to put do their, you know, their makeup, they got to get ready, they got to gather some friends, and they've got to drive and they've got to park. And so that's really the most expensive thing that somebody does when they go there. And so here we are at your destination, 30 minutes, 45 minutes away. We just have to make sure we wrap up the marketing with a bow that they understand what they're doing when they get there. Not only are they going to meet other wedding pros face to face, but you're, and and I don't want to divulge a lot of the things, but I'll, you know, sneak peek into some of the things we teach is, um, you know, you're going to have, um, I recommend all hands on deck for, from the venue. This is not a day that you get off. It's all hands on deck. It's not your, just your best sales people. It's everybody from the GM down to the dishwasher. If we'll make the dishwasher at the lowest level, which I hate to do since my son just got a job as a dishwasher. So, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, the, the, um, you want to make sure that um, all your photo op areas are highlighted, like have a tour, have a little paper that you hand them at the door, go see all our photo ops, because you know that at that venue in Ramona, that there is a place down by the pond where the koi fish are, that it's beautiful in the backdrop and it's the perfect time of year. And we need to make sure people see that. So you have a scavenger hunt for them to go find all the photo ops. And then you know what else you do? You make sure all your photographers that are at this event have a photographer poised there with their card and they're making sure they take shots of them and emailing. Oh, give me your email address. I'll email you these photos so you can see what you look like at this photo op and it gets in their inbox. So there's all these things that you can do that are above and beyond just having a wedding show at your event or an open house. We are uncovering all of these ideas and helping you maximize what's best for the venue, what's a great opportunity for the couple, but also great for your wedding pros. And you know what? One of the byproducts of this is that wedding pros will love you. You actually get to stand out as an expert, an authority, and a trusted figure, which is everything you need to do to stand out as the venue of choice. Because you know, as a venue, if you serve people, then people want to be there and the wedding pros want to be there. You know, if, if, if you're a venue where the wedding pro is fed by you, so you have a caterer on site and you're giving them peanut butter and jelly as their food, <laughs> we all know that they don't necessarily want to work there. <laughs> but if you give them the meal that everybody else is serving or something better than a peanut butter and jelly, they're going to they're gonna rave about you. Having events like this create raving fans out of the wedding pros that are getting business from you. It's another way to just put another feather in your hat and create this money-making machine from having really good wedding event at your at your venue now jonathan also to that point no this is really it's not for everyone there are a few cases where it would not work if your venue is too small i mean if you're a smaller venue that maybe you know you can accommodate 50 person events like the the magic behind this is that you need to sell the exhibit space to pay for the advertising. If you don't have exhibit space to sell, then it doesn't make as much sense. So that you know, if your venue is a, a is a boutique, intimate, small venue, it might not work. 
we can help you figure out and, and do the analysis. And the other way is if you are primarily a destination wedding location. So if most of your business is not local, it's coming from somewhere else, this also won't achieve your goal. You can still do it. But again, the idea of getting your prospect, if all your prospects, they have to get on a plane to come to this, they're not going to come to uh, to to your to your event, and so that is you know. So those are a couple of instances. So it is not for everyone, and that's where you know we we before we would enroll someone in our in our program, we would definitely um, you know make sure that like this will make sense for you and show them how it would make sense and what the potential return is on it. But you can get creative. I mean, I've seen events where uh, if you can get, if you have three venues that are all in the out of the way place, I've seen events where they get a bus and they tra- they have a, a, a show on wheels where they take you to, it's a multi-venue show where you have three or four venues hosting this simultaneously, often with transportation provided between the venue. Like, there's a lot of creative things that you can do, you know, d- move out of the mindset of this is not the convention center event with just a bunch of rows of pipe and drape and and, and booths. Like there's a lot of creative things that you can do to give it more of an experience uh, as opposed to just a pure buying and selling expo. But again, it's all about the end of the day, bringing in people who need to book a venue. And it's it's dropping one step out of the whole old way of marketing with the old way of marketing. I want to make sure we hammer that home is that you, that the old way of marketing, you throw out information into the in, interwebs and then the you hope, yes, the abyss, <laughs> you hope they, they, you hope they see it. You hope they reply. You have an interaction. You hope they show up. They're not here yet. They told me I texted them. They said they were coming. We all know that <laughs> they don't show up. You're hoping they show up and then you can do the tour. This cuts out a whole bunch of that unknown and what it is. We're having an event. We're having it here. They get there. You invite them for the tour. You take them on the tour and that you've already have the connection. You're just cutting out a lot of things and it works. It's amazing how it works when it's done correctly. It sounds like you're cutting out a lot of hope and inserting certainty, which is something that is kind of a basic human need uh, even. So Mark, write that down. That's good marketing for this. We'll use it. We'll use it tonight on Clubhouse. Do it. Do it. I love it. Hey, and you might even see me in there because now I'm curious about, you know, checking out Clubhouse. But um, this is so powerful. This is so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing this. So you have a five-step process. You actually have created a a free webinar where you go through all this process. Is that correct? Yes, we have. Um, we've created a webinar that explains it. You can watch it at your leisure, and it is. Um, it, it talks a little bit more about the why to do it, how to stand out, a lot of the things that to to show you a little bit more about why this makes sense and how it can make sense for you. And so that is at weddingvenuesuccess.com. Okay, which awesome. is what all of us want is our successful wedding venue. So it's weddingvenuesuccess.com. And uh, you just you sign up the webinar. It is uh, It runs all the time and awesome. you, you sign up for it. And then if you, you watch it, if you like what you see, 
then you can just schedule a time to talk to us. We'll talk to you a little bit more. We'll see if it makes sense. And we'll talk about what, you know, what we could do to help with the process. Again, it is a course uh, that includes videos and workbooks and forms and all of that stuff, but it also includes, um, it's almost like a, you're, in, you're coming into a community. Whereas Renee said, we do the Zoom calls every other week where everyone in the program gets together, talk shop and 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 uh, celebrates their wins and ask questions and all of that. We do one on one training as well uh, as part of this. There's a there's a whole lot of features. It is not a forty nine dollar buy an ebook or buy a set of videos. It is a it is a true program for showing you and supporting you as you go right, go through this journey. That's so good to hear because I think a lot of times there is unsupported education that is offered and I, and I'm not knocking it. Let's be clear about that, you know, because I think that it is important to have some of those kind of unsupported educational tools, but it's cool to hear that you guys have a lot of support in different ways. And and it's very dynamic because, you know, when you have, let's just say an ebook or something like that, sure, you can read it, but the interpretation of that can be very different from person to person to person. And it really sounds like what you have here is a, an approach that allows people to, um, you know, unpack exactly what their venue can do. And you provide the support to actually help them customize it to what is going to work in their market and what is going to deliver them the results. Um, speaking of results, do you think that it would be reasonable to say, cause I'm just kind of thinking through this now <clears throat> and for any venue owner that's listening to this right now or watching on YouTube, I highly recommend you check out the webinar because this is, this is such an incredible thing. And, you know, if you thought that you knew about open houses before, or you thought you, you know, like you said, Mark pipe and drape expos and things like that, you know, this is a, this is a retake on that. And this is something that you seriously need to look at. And I'm really excited about it. Um, and, and I think that you will really like, you know, diving into what, what you guys have, have, uh, have prepared here, but do you feel like it's possible to, and, and sorry, continue there, Mark, in just a second, but do you feel like it's possible to actually make money from these events or is our goal just to kind of like, you know, brush even with the marketing that's required to put something like this on? You can make money, but you shouldn't look at it as directly making money on the event. Um, you can. Some people do, but you're looking at it two ways. You're going to make money because you're going to book more events and you're going to make money because you're going to have to spend less time and money doing all of that other marketing stuff that this is replacing. And it is, you know, so we can save you time and save you money. You're, you're ahead in the end. And it, it does take work, like make no mistake like anything that works, it takes some effort. And it, you know, and your point earlier, um, you, none of, if you're in the wedding vertical and you're on Facebook, you cannot go on Facebook without every day getting served two or three ads from somebody who is going to claim the shortcut to success. I, I, saw, I saw one right. just a couple of days ago uh, and, and I actually thought so much about it that I went and wrote a post about it. It's like you, it, it, this, it was something to the effect of book business on autopilot. All right. There is no secret people. There is no <laughs> autopilot to sitting back and letting the bookings flow in. It just, it, this business is tough. 
This business is fun, but it's not as glamorous as people think. It is not as easy as people think. And certainly the part about getting that person through your door to even give you a shot at their business is not automatic. This whole build this and they will come. If that's what you think, then you're going to be disappointed. It takes effort. And there's there are there are faster paths, but there are no sit back and take the shortcut. Mm-hmm. Um, the, this, the shortcut that we do offer is simply we eliminate the learning curve uh, because we have done this forever. It's a simple process. You get people through the door. That's the hardest part. Mm-hmm. The, the, the hardest part of putting on an event is getting people to show up, yeah. to part with their time and to show up. That's the part that we nail. We learn that through 27 plus years of doing this through every form of marketing from back in the day of, you know, newspapers and radio ads and TV ads. And now we're, you know, to moving, uh, you know, through, uh, which you wouldn't want to do any of those things anymore to promote any kind of wedding business. Uh, You're not Uh, telling me I can't run a newspaper ad. Oh, come on. (laughs) We have clients that still do billboards and like, please take that, uh, you know, all advertising works. All advertising works, but some of it works a whole lot better. And and when you're in this niche of the wedding business where we are targeting less than 1% of the population, yeah, that billboard works. You get your message to 99 people for every person that needs you. You reach 99 people who don't need you. And Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of waste in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, traditional media has always been a lot of waste. Newspapers, radio, this stuff that is more mass appeal. We're not a mass appeal business. We're targeting a niche and it takes, uh, it's a challenge to, to reach them. So digital advertising has been a blessing to this industry. Um, seriously, the Nod and Wedding Wire have been blessings to this industry because they're bringing in people. Now there's other ways to do it. You know, Google ads, are, are great because you're you've got the user intent. It's uh, the, the the great thing. We do a lot of Google ads in our agency, and the reason we love them so much is that it's the only form of advertising that is not interruption. Everything else, from a TV ad to a radio ad to a Facebook ad, that's interrupting whatever you're doing. Yeah, let me throw so you true. in it. YouTube ads, like you want to watch this video, and here you got to watch the ad first, or the ad pops up in the middle. Like, Everything else is interruption-based. Google ads are intent-based. They're looking for something. That's why they got your ad. Mm. And, uh, so we, you know, that, that is, I know, off topic for this conversation, but that is a, uh, you know, that, that is some of the magic of that. It's um, a little, the, little marketing nugget for sure, because you're totally right. And I actually hadn't thought of that before, the interruption, but it totally is. <clears throat> what about, I mean, Facebook. Again, we're talking, you know, this is maybe a, a slight diversions, but, you know, Facebook, is that a similar uh, interruption or not really? Is it kind of on the same scale for you as, as Google ads? It's interruption big time. Um, you know, in we say you have to stop the scroll. You have to get have something that's so awesome that'll stop somebody's scroll as your content for your ad, for your Facebook ad. 
Now, it used to be that you could just have a group. I don't know how long you've been in this, Jonathan, but for uh, in the wedding industry business, but there was a time way back long ago, there was a time. <laughs> It was a time on Facebook where you would just have a business page and they would send that, whatever you posted, they would send it to everybody, almost everybody. And they got us used to that. So we business pages were the gift because it just showed up in everybody's feed and you could grow your business and we won't have to have websites anymore. And everybody was talking about that. And then Facebook said, okay, just kidding. And they took it back and they said, we're only going to show it to 1% of the people that like you. And that's kind of where we are right now. And so you have- oh, they'll to show it to you. They will absolutely show it to you. To oh. 1%, if you pay for it. If you pay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then you have to pay for it. And you know, I do want to throw this in here for anybody. You want to talk about a volatile market. Digital marketing is always changing. And you were you were saying about, you know, splitting out your marketing and doing all these different, things with, you know, for your, what you do and how you serve the venue community and splitting out the marketing, which is really smart because it is a whole different mindset. Well, it just came down within the last few months and it's now coming true where Facebook's gift to us is engaged, right? We can see who's engaged on Facebook so we can target those people. Well, guess what they're taking away? They're taking away pre-engagement ring. So anybody that was interested in pre-engagement ring is now going away. So we lost that. So those people, like maybe a dress shop, maybe the jewelers that were very interested in that because they were trying to catch them before they actually bought, you know, a ring or they're very early, their pre-engagement ring. So we kind of know they're looking for dresses. That's how girls are. They been planning their dress for a long time. So pre-engagement ring was really important if you were going after these segments of the wedding industry. Well, they're looking at pre-engagement ring as being too invasive to someone's privacy. So therefore they're getting rid of it. Plus it's also has something to do with it just maybe not having that much activity. Mm. Maybe now with the new iOS 14 and tracking people off platform, maybe they're seeing we can't see them looking at jewelry shops at engagement rings. And so therefore, why are we even bothering having this segment? But those are all the things that are changing all the time within marketing. It's not static. Your website shouldn't be static. You should be updating that regularly. Nothing you're doing in marketing should be looked at as static. And your venue, by all means, should not be static because you could be the cat's meow today. But if you don't stay up with it and if you don't clean those floors and paint those walls and, and put the newest thing in, you're not going to be that. And then let's just circle it all right back. How will people know that you have the pond with the koi fish if they don't get to see it? And what's better, you know that picture doesn't do it justice. How about you have a wedding event, planning event at your venue and get them to come and then you can market most efficiently, we think, to people to sell your venue for their wedding. How's that? I love it. Came right back around. I love it. It was such a good thing. And we're, we're nearing the end here, but that last question I do kind of want to wrap around to when a venue owner is listening to this right now, maybe they feel a little overwhelmed. Maybe they feel a little hopeful. They're like, wow, this is great. This is something I hadn't thought of before. They're going to check out your webinar, but they're still curious as far as, okay, I'm going to put in my $2 million or my million dollars. I'm going to develop out this beautiful property. I'm going to build this barn. If you're here in California, you're going to spend 
27 years trying to get a permit. And then once that process is done, you know, um, <clears throat> but let's say we've done all of that now, what is a reasonable timeline if you're kind of on average, let's just say, to hit some sort of cruising altitude? What should they look at? Because I mean, I know we can have patience and I know we can execute correctly on all these different things. And like you said, it is always changing and people are doing Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest and all the different things. But in your experience, is this a 12 month game? Like post, like open door. Now the, the venue is ready to actually like achieving some sort of level of market penetration. Is this a, is this a 18 month thing? Is this a 24 month thing? What, what in your experience? And just give me your feedback on this. If you do things the right way, and we have worked with startup venues, I mean, down to the feasibility study of should we even do it, uh, of what does it cost us to actually put on an event? What do we need to do? If you position it correctly, and by positioning, I mean, you've got to have a reason to exist. You need to have a value proposition that makes sense. You can't just come in and say, here's my venue, and I want to charge X amount of money to rent it out without figuring out if that what the alternatives are to your venue. There are always alternatives. You There are always other choices. So it gets into the, the value proposition, which is really simple. What you get for what you pay. It works with a low-end venue. It works with a high-end venue. Everybody that goes in their mind when they're making a decision. What is it that you do? Uh, you know, what's your value proposition compared to everybody else? If you come in with a good value proposition, if you're bringing something to the market that the market needs, and you're not just like the same old thing, and you do pre-promotion, I know it's a challenge, you know, with construction delays and stuff. When do we start booking events? And I, you know, I never want to, um, you know, condone like booking weddings too early before you know you're going to be open. Like that's, yeah. And, and your sales process, because people have heard all the horror stories, it is harder to sell it when you don't have it. I, I get that, but you still have to be selling it. Um, but in short answer to your question, which as you've learned today, like we're not that good at, uh, but um, I see no reason that if you do this the right way and you promote it correctly and you build all of the pieces and get them right from the beginning, I don't see any reason, forget talking about when are we gonna ramp up and hit our stride, you should be hitting your stride right from the beginning. Again, every week, new people are getting engaged and moving in. They don't know that your venue is the new kid on the block, necessarily. They, they just know what they know, what's there. Um, and so I've always said that in the wedding business, you can never take your eye off the ball. Feast can change to famine overnight. The good news is that the opposite is also true. It is entirely, people don't care how long you've been around. They don't care how long you've been in business, how big you are, how whatever. What they care about is what they get for what they're paying with you. And if you nail that, I see no reason why you shouldn't be profitable in year one. Now that's, you know, there will be plenty of people in the venue business that say, you know, now that you can't do that. It takes two years. It takes whatever. And, um, 
I don't know. I'm optimistic. But if you if you nail the marketing, you've got you can you can be busy from the beginning if you're serving a need. Well, what about the process of that? Because I think we have to uh, we have to consider some of that, right? Like, what does it yeah. take to get all these strategies? I mean, even if it's someone, let's say I'm I'm a new venue owner. I just opened the doors. We're now selling. We have 2022 dates available, obviously, because we have nothing booked. We've got 2023 and 2024 coming up here. Great. I hear about you guys. I go to the webinar. I love it. I sign up for the course. I'm now I'm either doing my own social media marketing. I'm doing my own Google ads or I'm hiring somebody. So I've got to like, I mean, I've got some work to do even going through your system and going through your process. I mean, that's not like a snap your finger overnight process. So to, to actually get to like, where you're talking about to even get some of that knowledge and information. If we haven't done any pre-work leading up to it, what is this a six month process? Are you it talking is, about our course or, or I'm sorry, well, well, marketing in general? Yeah. Just marketing in general. If you haven't done, cause ideally to your point, you would start in, you know, when you're on the tail end of construction, do some of those pre-sales and kind of soft launch yourself to success. But if you're not doing that, and if you just build the venue and you're like, ah, marketing, I need to do this now. <clears throat> and you and you start, what is that to like get get the wheels going to like even put on a, a, a show like you're talking about? What's the timeline there? Okay. How you should look at this, and, and this is not a venue specific problem. This is everybody in business almost, uh, but certainly in the wedding industry. It's like you need to decide, is it when you're when you're allocating your resources that you're pouring into this new venue? Do I really need that gazebo right now or do I need some events at the venue? The events are not. If you think for a minute that those events are just going to magically appear to fill your calendar. Uh, talk to someone who's been in this business for a few years and you will know that that doesn't happen. And that is sort of the, like, that's with everyone. I want to, you hang out a shingle does not mean that people are gonna see it. You cannot just announce. And, and now with a venue, the barriers to entry are high. In a lot of segments of the wedding business, the barriers to entry are low, mm -hmm. uh, but the, I see so many, like I just bought all this equipment. I bought the new sound equipment, new audio equipment, and new, like, none of that means every, without business, you have an expensive hobby. Yeah. And a venue with no takers is a really, really, really expensive hobby. And so um, you need to allocate, as part of your startup budget, a good amount of money to get the word out. It's not, and, and now you can, as you get a reputation and as you get referrals and people start, the buzz starts to go out within the community of, um, uh, of about your venue, like then you could potentially ratchet back a little bit on those expenses. But again, keep in mind that there, you're always educating new people that you exist. Uh, but I think that the, um, uh, because most people go into this with the build it and they're going to come mentality. Like they're so busy allocating, you know, what color lighting and chandeliers are we going to have in the ladies room 
that they forget about, okay, how am I going to get people through the door? Mm -hmm. Invest some, treat your investment in your startup marketing equal to your investment in things that you're pretty things you're putting in your venue that you have to. It's no different than the bride and groom, specifically the bride I can speak, speak of sitting in front of you. And if you're the florist, like I was, and she sits there and she says, I want these flowers. And she shows me her Pinterest board. I look at it. I'm looking at $2,500 worth of flowers which may seem like a little or a lot, doesn't matter for this story. But then she proceeds to tell me that I don't have any more money. How much can you do this for? I already know that she spent $1,000 for her Louboutins. Her dress costs $5,000. And she's sitting here with a problem because she didn't take the time to create a budget realized that flowers were going to be more than $250 or whatever she thought they were going to be. And now she has basically built her whole wedding, buying those things, like Mark was saying, getting the gazebo, making sure that it had the best tile in the bathroom, which only, you know, half the people are going to see in the women's bathroom. Yes, it's an important bathroom. We do appreciate (laughs) nice bathrooms. Thank you very much. But it's just that the priorities were messed up from the get-go. And so if you do it right, what I'm hearing Mark saying, if you're doing it right from the get-go, there's no reason that you couldn't be profitable from the beginning, deciding what you're going to have with your budget, how you're going to spend it, and doing the marketing. However, half of our clients come to us, I'm thinking venue clients right now, half of them have come to us doing the math, and they're brand new. And we're doing the feasibility study, and we're starting with them at the beginning. They came to us as a referral, okay? The, um, so they wouldn't have even known where to find us. So they came as a referral. Then we have the other half that come to us and they are, some of them discouraged. Some of them just are regrouping. But I can think of one locally that I got to go to their venue. I got to drive to it. It was in, within driving distance. And she was very discouraged. She um, had had a caterer come out, sold her a bill of goods that she was more of a rustic venue. And they had told her that for For them to be the caterer, it was going to be $50 a head. Now, you have to understand, she didn't even have a bathroom. She had, she was very rustic. And they were going to try and sell her paper plate catered barbecue for $50 a head. Well, that just didn't line up. That type of client wasn't going to want to have this. So we sat there. She was ready to throw the talent. And she didn't know what to do. So we looked at everything. We stepped back and we said to her, let's embrace what you have. What do you have? So we said, why don't we change your tagline to the real rustic? She changed her tagline to the real rustic with the name of the venue. And I can tell you now, three, four, five years later, she's soaring and she is it. She has embraced it. They've taken that extra money. They've built the bathroom. They've added the air condition segment. They've added this. They've added that. They worked within a budget. They worked with what they had. And they were they were willing to take advice. They were willing to, you know, it's not easy as a consultant or coach to deliver hard news to people. You know, I had to really tell her, you didn't make a good decision here with signing up with this caterer. Oh, and the caterer was the only people that could sell for them. That was the deal. 
that I saw your eyes go on. <laughs> so, so the cater was what they signed an exclusive, which I don't recommend. Um, I don't know when I would ever recommend that. But anyways, my point is, if you're watching this and you're discouraged, sometimes you need to step back, get somebody in to help you find what Mark said is what is makes you unique. Find out what makes you unique is embrace it. And so she's the real rustic. It was awesome. I love that, Mark. To, and even to just double back on that, finding someone else, I think, because often we're as venue owners, you're on your own property. You're constantly there. If it's, you know, maybe even you live on a portion of it and portion of it is the venue, or maybe it's something that's been in your family for a long time. And, and you just see it through the lens that you have. And it's hard for you to understand what a stranger, what someone who is going to have a new perspective is going to feel like the unique thing about your venue is. And you'll get the feedback, obviously, but like to really understand like, wow, this is fill in the blank and to follow that and to kind of pull that lead. And, and I'll make a deal with everyone who's watching this. I'll make a deal with you. I will never, ever, ever open a venue if you never, ever do your own marketing. That's the trade. It's You'll like, never it, open a venue. So there there's so many people. <laughs> you go. No, 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 you. Uh, there are, it's just, it is, it is so hard to do. It is takes so many skill sets to do it right. And if you go look at who's doing it right and who's not doing it right, you will see, you'll, you'll see the difference. I mean, you know, we work so often on websites. Now we're not really a website company. We do them all the time. Why? Because we found out that we had to, because that was the weak link in almost every chain. You're doing all these things. You're doing ads on wedding wire and the knot and all of these things that you're doing. And then, you know, the your website is the last stop before they walk through your door. And the whole thing we talked about earlier about the sales collider, that's one of those ways that they leak. They're pouring all these leads, doing shows, doing wedding wire, doing the knot, doing all of the things that they're doing. And they're pouring all these leads in. And then they're getting people to that are leaking out and are bouncing out, even at that last stop, they didn't like your website. And so the way I like to have people think about it is, if you lose one booking a month because people came to your website and bounced out without calling you, how many of you know a, like someone told this a photographer says, hey, I referred this person to you. And uh, oh, that's funny. I never heard from them. And why? What happens is that something they, they didn't like what they saw. So you can spend thousands of dollars pouring leads into your funnel. And if you're losing them on your website, let's just say that that is costing you one booking a quarter that you would have otherwise had if your customer journey was correct. Multiply that every quarter. That's four events a year that you would have had that you don't have now. Do the math. That DIY website got really, really expensive. Yeah, seven, seven, eight thousand dollars a pop for events. It's twenty-eight thousand, thirty-two thousand, and you're not gonna. <clears throat> I mean, I don't know who's buying a thirty-two thousand dollar website, but I. 
damn sure know that if, you know, it was getting them for eight weddings every single, and a lot of times you have to do the website once, one time, obviously there are refreshes and things you need to do to, to fix it and to sharpen it. But like the investment value there is mind blowing. Yeah. Why would you not? Why would you not do this? It is so, I mean, look, look at the successful, I mean, we do this all that we, this, we did a, had a caterer client. And the first thing that I did when we were starting on this project is that I looked at 200 other caterers' websites around the country, mostly really, really bad ones. And it was it was interesting how it was kind of market specific. Like there were certain markets where all the caterers' websites were good, and some markets like they were all bad. Well, the, that's logical because one caterer gets a good website and everybody else has to catch up. It's the same thing with venues, but it is such an easy. Um, it is such, and when you think about the potential losses of bad marketing, the, the, the costs are so big. I mean, it's, you know, not to, you know, if you lose one limo ride, that's not devastating to a limo company, but if you lose one event, that's a lot of money that you, that could have paid for a lot of things. And, you know, so I like to say, take one or two events a year. Just know going into the year, depending on what you're charging, take two events or three events. That's your marketing budget. That All of that money goes into marketing to make more things happen. You can't do this with, you can't run a venue and charge $5,000, $10,000, $15,000 and expect to book things when you're spending $50 a month on marketing. You, it, it, it doesn't work. It has to be an investment for it to work well. And if you're, you know, back to your earlier question about, um, you know, about the how long does it take and all that, it's like, you, you can't wait to find out. You have to, like, if you start this from the beginning, I see no reason why a venue can't be profitable in year one. I just don't. Cool. I love that. Well, thank you so much. Thank you both for can coming you, on the show. Cut enough out of this to make it work? <laughs> no. Oh my God. So much. And you know, the people who are, are watching and listening to this online are going to absolutely love it because you're giving real tactical examples. You're giving tactical advice and, you know, going back to the webinar, you know, we're going to have links to that in uh, the description of this video. And of course it's going to be on all of the different podcast platforms, wherever you're listening to that, but weddingvenuesuccess.com for both Mark and Renee. And I just really quick, if they want to reach either of you, where is the best place to do that? You know, if they just want to reach out and start developing that relationship with either of you. Teamwedding.com. Teamwedding.com. Okay, perfect. Sounds good. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.